Hi, it's Megan, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Woo as Fuck. This week is a guest episode with the beautiful Jess, and we go a little bit all over the place with our conversation, but it is truly a beautiful conversation. As I was editing it, I was having so much fun with it. She talks all about her services that she offers, and we all talk about our journey and how we know one another. We talk about relationships and working in flow and just a lot of stuff. So I hope that you enjoy it and let's get into it. Hi, it's Megan. And it's Lissa. And today we are joined by the wonderful Jess. Jess does a lot of different things. Um, She's an artist and she does readings and helps you with grounding and does spirit portraits or soul portraits and just a little bit of everything. I I love that it's just kind of in flow with what feels natural at the time. Um, And I'm really excited to talk to you. Do you want to say hello, Jess? Hello, everybody. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here and to talk with both of you today. Um, This is actually only my second time guesting on a podcast. So we're all really new at this. And I'm really excited to see how it goes. I think you're going to do a wonderful job. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do in your own words? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I am an intuitive. I read tarot. I'm an artist. And I do just like Megan said, I do intuitive artwork. I do soul portraits. Um, I do animal portraits. I do intuitive drawings. Um, I am working a little bit on the side, making coloring pages, and I'm trying to get together um, a website so that I can sell some clothing and put my artwork on there. So I have some really exciting projects coming up. And yeah. <laughs> That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> I feel so many big things coming your way. We, I know we just talked on Monday about everything, but I'm really excited about all of the different ways that you're going to be expressing your soul to the universe and what you're doing to kind of build a really beautiful foundation for yourself. It's just been such a wild and awesome journey to see how all of this has come about. Like art has just been such a big part of my life for a really long time. And I mean, I've always had some pretty good talent when it comes to art. But when I listened to Jess Reed talk about going to alien school at nighttime, I was like, oh, I could adapt this. And I could ask to go to any kind of school. And so I started asking for art school and psychic school. And the way that I would read tarot and the way that I would draw would literally change overnight. It was incredible to watch the differences and be like, I drew this yesterday and I drew this today. Holy crap. (laughs) That is beautiful. I want to add to, so, um, hi, Lissa here. Um, I think it's important that we all address how we know each other because we've all been sort of part of the same little pod, little community for what, like two years now? Yeah, it's already been two years. (laughs) Yeah, that is it's wild that it can go that long so we all met um in some form or fashion about two years ago and it's crazy to think that it's been two years 
Yeah. And it's it literally, was, oh, sorry, Alyssa. <laughs> oh, all good. I was going to say it was, it was a Facebook group. We all met on a Facebook group and, um, a beautiful community that's now uh, like evolved into another community. And Jess, my cat is obsessed with you. He's hearing your voice and he's like <laughs> about to slide off the couch. It's hilarious. But oh my um, goodness. I just want to say hello to Alyssa's cat. Hello, little baby. Um, and what is so cool is that all three of us um, were drawn to like do trades with each other. So Megan and I did a reading, meeting each other on that Facebook group. And then Jess and I also did a reading for each other from that Facebook group. And it was all trades. And that this was like years ago that this happened. Jess and I a plan to do readings for each other quite a bit ago and then working in flow it just sort of kind of went out for a long period of time but uh how neat it is that a community that none of us started brought us all together I just kind of want to acknowledge that yeah I love that and I too in my own podcast uh Doors of Perception both of my podcast partners Channel Warwick and Sarah Ann Brown uh we all met through the same community um, a lot of our own guests have come from the community. It's just a really beautiful group of people. I'm really blessed to be a part of it. I really like how the community has just evolved with us too. It has ebbed and flowed and changed and the pods change a little bit, but it's always had the same beautiful supportive energy where you can be yourself authentically. And I think that's been really impactful in my own growth as a person and a soul. Because I don't think yeah. I've ever ever felt comfortable being myself authentically before. I really feel that. Like even in the group, like when I'm going through struggles, um, I share it not to be like, oh, woe well, is me, but it's like, is anybody else going through this? Because I want you to know that you're not alone. I've personally found that very helpful. And it's also encouraged me to share. And it occurred to me that we haven't talked about what this community is. So it's uh Jessa Reed has a podcast that was the AOD podcast that step that birthed a YouTube or not a YouTube, a Facebook community that then birthed another Facebook community that is no longer affiliated with her. So that's what we're talking about. But um, there's no shade to her, by the way, that, that's oh. not, it sounded like, like it's no longer affiliated. Oh, no, the reason it's actually not affiliated with her anymore is because the community literally became its Just, own thing, you guys. And yeah. that's part of what's so incredible. So it was like, she, cause it no longer had to do with the podcast. It was like the community got together in the scope of the podcast. Cause we all listened to it, but then we all vibed so heavily together that we were like, okay, well now it's just going to be our own thing. So there's no politics involved because it has nothing to do with Jessa. We just all connect. And so um, it birthed a little baby and now we're a part of that baby. And now we're creating our own babies, which is very much the energy, like this death and birth energy of what we're in. And um Jess, I'd like to know, like, have, has most of this for you popped off in the last two years? Or would you say this has been more of like a lifelong thing for you? Uh, you oh, my God. What you're working on. No, no. Um, I had a spontaneous awakening in January of 2020. And I had uh, my since passed on mom come back to me in my kitchen while I sat at my table and we watched my life play out together. And it was almost like that Kesha song where it was like, I watched my life play backwards and forwards and all the rest of that stuff. And I was literally watching connections happen. And I was watching things that had hurt me really badly lead to things that really were 
beautiful growth periods and moments that I could now take and learn strength from. And so over the last two years, I've been doing a lot of healing and a lot of growth. And it has changed me in ways that I probably can't even put into words. Um, I don't feel like I am at all the same person. Um, I really have just, yeah, like this has all come about in the last two years for me. That's so beautiful. I, I ask his same. Well, for me personally, but also I believe for Megan, I think that there's something about, it feels as though uh, the three of us are part of a larger collective that is going through similar experiences that all popped off in late 2019, early 2020. And it's just such a really incredible experience to see this like wave of consciousness kind of sweep over that none of us, I don't know. Yeah. It feels like a wave. I totally love how you're saying that because when you were talking before about how the groups were splitting off and stuff, like our group wasn't the only one that was formed. We were just a group that resonated from the original group. And there was another group that formed that all resonated as well. And there's no shade to them. They all resonate together and that's why they're together. And that's why we're together. And it just is so cool to see like this divide and split. And it just, my mind is playing out like the cells dividing and splitting and birthing and rebirthing and all the rest of it. And it just is like, exponential growth because that is literally what we're doing here on the planet during this time period uh my jaw is open you can't see my mouth is open oh my god when you said cells splitting and dividing holy shit why is it that we just assume that the split you know the split the split i'm saying that with finger quotes because it's like everyone talks about the split um yeah it's 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 like equal and opposite, but it's not good or bad, right or wrong, or even duality based. It's like, no, we're just going where we're called so that we can be with the group that we feel called to. And yes, yeah, I love that. And it's all part of expansion and growth, like cells dividing. I love that. Thank you. I really do think that we're also going to expand on it when, um, you know, borders open up and we're more free to travel and all the rest of that, because we're learning the importance of earthing and putting our feet on the ground and grid workers are going to be called to where they belong. And I really kind of just see this whole place going in, you know, communities that there's going to be like 50 different communities all across the world. And you can just be like, Hey, like I would like to come down there for six months. Can I come down there for six months? And it's like, yeah, we have space for you. And so it's like, you could just go wherever you're called to and just flow that way. And Ah, oh, thank you for saying that. So both Megan and I have been getting that message too. And for everyone listening, please hear that. Like really hear that and digest it because that is a message. Ooh, this is giving me goosebumps all over. That's a message that I've been getting in my channeling personally without any outside interference. That's a message Jess has been getting. That's a message Megan has been getting. The way that I see it is like little blips of um, like dots that exist on a map that when you look at all of them collectively, they're in harmony, but they're dispersed across these different locations. And where are you located, Jess? I'm up in Canada, Southern Alberta. Yeah. So we're all over you guys. It's okay. Like if you're feeling unsafe in your, I mean, I'm in Northern California and things are getting tight here. Like the vice grip is tightening. And I find a lot of peace in knowing that there are individuals that I'm able to communicate with all over the world who are like-minded and working towards the same thing. I think that's really beautiful and reassuring. Outside of this. just, 
outside of just like a location though, um, where you feel called to work, which is absolutely something I think that we could be moving toward where we're more, we're more migrational with our energy. But I think it really reflects in our lives in general that we need to be more open to living our lives in a more flowy, malleable way to where this is the season of productivity. This is the season of growth. This is the season where I'm really focusing on self-care. This is the season where I'm really prioritizing friendship and you let yourself live your life in flow with where your energy goes. That just sounds so beautiful. (laughs) I just love how that how that goes. I was um, just sitting here thinking about like a long time. I say a long time ago. It's within the last two years. I had received this like download image of um, a colander, um, a strainer, uh, whatever. And so it was like all of us are finding our unique individual gifts and what makes us us. And it's not the same as anybody else. And so we slide into our own individual hole and we close the hole. And so once we are all living in our authentic truth, all of the holes are closed. And so then we are able to fill the cup of the world. And that's how we do with grid work too. And afterwards, it was kind of shown to me that it comes up and it spills over the cup and it became like a web that encompassed the globe. And then it showed all of the like sacred geometry where all of the dots, like this was just saying around the globe, were connected. And so then it goes out further to which ones are connected to places around the earth that anchor in that energy, like Stonehenge and um, in Cairo with Egypt's um, pyramids and in um, other places around the globe that we know of so much from history and so it just is really cool that this is all coming about because it just is a much larger expansion on something that I had been shown um, previously so yeah thank you that was really cool oh wow sorry (laughs) because I keep um for me a lot of what I get is uh isn't quite like images like that. It's more just lights and colors and words. And I've been talking for a while about this new like energetic grid system that's coming up, but I've never been able to see what that, like how, like if someone were to come to me and say, okay, Lissa, you keep talking about this new energetic grid system, draw it for us. What does that look like? I wouldn't be able to do that. I'd be able to explain what it feels like because it's about living in your authentic truth, being able to be a conduit for the sun and the earth and literally acting as like a, um, like your own, you know, positive and negative poles that are able to pulsate energy back and forth. But outside of that, I really don't know. I just know that it's true because I feel it to be true in my heart. But you, it's like you're getting that information, you know? So it's just, that's like, poof, that almost leaves me speechless. I'm, I'm literally having a mind blowing download right now. My body is like vibrating. Ah, this is what happens when we talk. (laughs) So it's like me as an artist, I am here to create the imagery that then would spark the feeling within you and you put it down onto the earth by being a grid worker because you can feel it within your body. And so you move it down through your body into Gaia. Ah, okay. Wow, that's beautiful. See, and this is why it's so important, guys, to really be working on clearing your channel and um, like, if you feel guided to, at least if you feel intuitive, intuitively guided to, because we all are different pieces of a larger puzzle. So each piece, it's like, 
and be careful about teaching what you teach to another person because your gift might not be another person's gift. And we need to be more open to learning from other people about what their gift is instead of teaching our own. Absolutely. It's really not about teaching someone the exact way that you're doing something. It's about giving them that little ping to inspire them to find their own version of it. And I don't often trust people that are like, this is how you manifest A, B, Z, D, and that's the only way it works. Or this is how you anchor in this timeline or you do this or that. Because it's really personal. Everyone's practice is really personal to themselves. And well, not sure. To, oh, so sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say not to put it all on us, but just like I had done with Jessa Reed saying I was, I was going to alien school, I was going to alien school, I took it upon myself to be like, how can I make that work for me? And so it's not just about, you know, putting it all on the other person. But when you're listening to other people, like always make sure that you're listening with what resonates with you. And if it doesn't resonate with you, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means that it's wrong for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, that absolutely is it because it can be the wrong energy for you in that moment. And you could actually circle back to something that you really didn't resonate with and that it does resonate yes. with you. You just need to be like, you have to understand that you're working in flow and that you might not be ready to hear something or it might never resonate with you. And that's okay because we're all individuals with our own journey. I love that. That just like encompasses all of the things that we know about non-linear everything, non-linear healing, non-linear timelines. And it all is like circular and flowing. And I just, I love that. That's so awesome. So can you talk a little bit more about now? I'm super interested. My ears are perked up. Um, about your work as an artist, specifically as it regards to energy work? That was a very, I, like, open and yeah. <laughs> I know. I was, I was like, what, what would you like to know? Um, I, <laughs> I have been recently, like, and I'm talking within the last six months, been gifted um, upgrades in the way where I can channel light language into my artwork and so I just, I truly believe that in the way of energy work that I am putting in light codes that then spark downloads or upgrades in other people. And that's not to say that I'm putting out artwork that when you see it, it'll change you. But if you want it to change you and you give it permission to change you and it sparks something in you and you're like, yeah, that resonates with me. And I, I really feel that. I feel like those light codes can do that for other people. So I've been struggling myself to try and figure out how to explain this to people because I channel light language with my hands and I usually um, do it as a means of clearing my own energy intuitively. So if I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed or needing to ground, my hands will just start doing their thing. Um, how would you describe, like, how do we describe light language to people? Like, what, I what is it? How do we, um, I guess maybe I'm hearing like, as I'm talking, like, oh, you're hilarious. You're trying to put it into words. What a limiting thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was literally just thinking about like, what is light language? It's more of like a feeling, like even when you were talking about, um, how your hands move and stuff, I just kept getting the question. Have you ever tried picking up a paintbrush and painting it? onto something as you move. 
um, or picking up a pencil and trying to like, as you're clearing out your own energy and making those stroking motions with your hand, allowing it to touch the paper um, and not even always just, you know, whatever feels right. Like maybe you'll flow forward and touch the paper and then you'll flow backwards and not touch the paper. Um, if I'm making any sense, I don't yeah, even know. This is, this is <laughs> making me want to finger paint like a badass. This is right? making me really want to like have like a six foot tall parchment paper and That's just literally fucking... what I saw was yeah, like yeah, yeah, go a huge piece of pa- like a huge piece of parchment paper and some light paints and just like allow it to flow out of you and see what kind of symbols come out because I um I had just recently moved and I had never really done light language with my hands. Um, and moving with my whole body until I moved here. And there was one particular room that had some pretty iffy energy. And I'm actually sitting in it right now because I did a huge clearing with it. And I was guided to do light language with my hands. And I was facing all different directions and using elementals. And it just was a wild experience where I, at the end, was taken to a place in meditation where I watched this like black sludgy energy just form into a humanoid individual. And it wasn't that it was a human, but it was encompassing all of the energy that had been stuck in this room from that person. And I just looked at it and I was like, you don't need to be here anymore. And it just disappeared. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay. Yeah. And it can really be that easy. And um, with energy work, anytime that I'm helping someone do clearings or clearing out entities, entities is the best way that I can describe it, but it's almost never actually like a m- malicious, tangible mm-hmm. thing. It's programming or loops that you're stuck on that have manifested into the shadow. And so energy whenever you have a space like this was a room where there were a lot of fights or there was a lot of stagnant energy or a lot of depression or something happening in that room, it's almost like the the memory of that just is stuck because it has nowhere to flow. But you can really just look at it and say, no, you're no longer welcome here. And it it is that easy. Yeah. That's really what it felt like too, was that it felt like it was somebody else's trapped emotions. Like mm-hmm. none of us wanted to be in here. None of us really wanted to even walk by this room. And it's the last room before you get to the bathroom. So like, excuse me, that's a no-no. Like you can't just cut off the bathroom. <laughs> so I was just like, hey, well, what are, what are we going to do about this? And so it was really kind of a wonderful moment for me to just kind of like lean into trusting my own intuition with that because I had never, um, I had never done anything like that before. But, you know, somehow I just kind of, I just knew that I could do it. And I was like, this is this is our home now. Like whatever was here before is not welcome to be here any longer. And I'm going to talk to this home and I'm going to love this home. And I'm going to let this home know that it doesn't need to carry that energy within its walls at all. And so it just was a really wonderful, beautiful moment. Like even at one point I had both of my hands on the floor and I was just talking to the house itself. That's really beautiful because it's the space where it's the little box that you live in and it has seen so many different souls and so many different experiences. People have had their best days there and their worst days there. And it has years of energy and it is a living thing in a sense. And I saw this one video where someone was moving into a space and away from a space. And in the old space, they made an altar and thanked it for taking care of them and providing them with a safe space. And then 
And when they moved into the new space, they did an altar and thanked it for, you know, allowing them to move in. And it was so beautiful. And it made me really rethink how I look at my own space. I love that so much. And it was such a confirmation for me because I did that with my old space. I knew that I was moving and it was a very unfortunate ending between me and somebody who was a a friend of mine, um, who I had thought was a friend of mine. And as soon as I had stated that I was moving, things changed very quickly. And I had to just cut myself off from that energy and just not leave my home. That was my first place where I lived on my own. It was the first place that I gained my independence. That was my space. And so I wasn't going to let that hinder my goodbye. And so I spent a really long time talking with that home and, and letting it know just how much I appreciated living there. I'm feeling really called to remind you that that relationship that you had with that person, regardless of how it ended, was meaningful and impactful at the time and was necessary for growth and that it's okay to separate whenever energy no longer serves you. It's just absolutely. And I love that too. That's a very huge confirmation for me too, because it's been something that's been so prevalent in my life. I've had lots of people come and go and, and I just realized that like, they're there to serve a purpose for the time being. And, and when it ends, it ends. And I think that we're getting to a space where we can, you know, start to vocalize with people like this is no longer a friendship that's serving me. And I appreciate it for what it was. And thank you. And I hope you have a great rest of your life. And bye. Yeah, honestly, hell yeah, I'm here for that. Because it if we when we get not if to the point where we are able to just express with our friends or our partners or anyone at all in our life, and we can say, thank you so much for the time that you shared with me. But our relationship no longer is a part of my journey from here forward. And I love you and appreciate all that we've been through together. And you will always hold a special place in my heart, but it's time for us to move on because you can hurt yourself and them because you want me. No one wants to be the bad guy in a situation and no one wants to say anything. So it just gets worse and worse and worse and the resentment grows and that's its own little shadow. I think that that in itself is the play out of timelines like those are contracts that we signed and if those contracts are over we can peacefully leave when it feels like it's over or we will create a situation in which we will eventually leave because we do not want to be there and it's super uncomfortable and we don't feel like we have any other choice but to then run Yeah. And we don't, we could avoid a lot of those bad situations if we were just honest with ourselves because we were in tune with ourselves and our energy. And we could have said, thank you. And it would have ended beautifully. But instead we, we, we have to be the good guy. We don't want to be the bad guy that ends the relationship and whatever it was. You know what though? Okay. So two things are happening. One, I just want to acknowledge as you guys were talking about the energy in the house, I kept seeing, um, because Megan, well, blah, the parallels are bananas. So when Megan, I've done an energy clearing with Megan before where she cleared my energy and it was as if we were going into different rooms in the house that is my body. And she was doing literally what you were talking about, Jess, that you did in your physical house. So all I could think I'm backtracking, but I'll get back to where we're at now. Um, all I was thinking is that this main, uh, this energy that you're clearing out of your house, how, if we're not acknowledging 
these dense things that are stuck to us in our actual physical energy, um, how it can literally leach out into our physical experience, you know, and then it can, it needs to be addressed in our physical experience, like in our actual house. But then also what I was going to say is these contracts, these soul contracts, they can be like redone all of the time. And it's interesting how we in our physical experience don't think about that. We just assume how we maybe have a soul contract with the human being and we need to live that out, but that those can be mended in the here and now. And when you're willing to be the bad guy and just own what you've brought into the relationship, even if it's going to have a negative ripple, it can transmute in a really beautiful way. And I had that experience with an ex where I knew I was going to be the bad guy and I knew I was breaking up with them. I've actually had it a couple of times, but I sat down with them and gave them a, like some time of, Hey, you can ask anything you want and I'll be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. And this is what I'm experiencing. And it's going to be painful for both of us and uncomfortable, but I love and respect you. So I'm going to sit with you in this. And it it, trans it transmuted. I couldn't even believe it. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You should want to punch me in the face right now. And they were just loving and kind. That is so incredible. I love that so much. Um, I definitely have not had experiences like that in the past. I had one that was, it was very calm and it was like, you know that this is done. I know that this is done. We're done. Hey, we're done. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll leave. And then, like, that was, you know, that was one. And then there was another one where like he actually approached me to break up with me. And I was like, no, you know what? Like, it's okay. We don't actually even have to have this conversation. Like you can just go. <laughs> and so those were all right. But I mean, they did come from a space of like unhealedness. And I, I love how you were talking about sitting with them in it because you respect and you love them. And looking back, like, I mean, obviously, like, I'm not going to be like, I wish I could change it. But like, that's something that I'm going to take moving forward. Because looking back, that is something that, you know, it just it always hurts when you look back at those endings, and you're kind of like, okay, well, I just was mean, or I pushed them away, or I didn't even acknowledge having that conversation. Well, and in that, so I'm talking about a very specific circumstance, too, where the individual that I was about to like break up with didn't know who I really was. I had hid that from them and that gross, dark energy that we're talking about had grown inside me and I had separated myself from him, but he didn't know it. And so I was, I like, I knew that when I was going to be speaking my truth, it was going to be shocking and that it was going to need, like it was going to need that container. Um, but what most people do is they're afraid of that and they they're afraid of being seen in that it's like i can understand it because it wasn't comfortable like here's this person that did love me that's now seeing me as the bad guy and i have to look at him looking at me while he sees that i'm an asshole you know because the things i was saying were not kind not meaning that they were mean to him but i behaved in ways that hurt him and i was being honest about that and so I think, but here's the thing, you guys, when you're willing to just own that, because it's, it's going to stay with you if you don't, it's like, it, it will, it will fester and then maybe even leach out into your house. And then maybe the person that lives there after you is going to have to deal with it. Like who knows, but, um, but it can transmute and it really, I didn't know that up until that experience. I really didn't understand that because when you give somebody that kind of container, it shows their soul that you care. 
and that you love them. So even if your actions as a human being have uh, been ones that are hurtful, if you show that your soul sees their soul and cares, that I think is where healing and transmutation can really take place. I really want to add to that too. So I've been with my partner for 13 years and we started dating when I was 17. So we have been together my entire adult life. I, we didn't have a healthy relationship in the beginning. I'm just going to be candid and honest about that. We didn't have a healthy relationship. We would fight. We would have issues um, because we were both young and growing. But just because you are changing as a person doesn't mean that you absolutely have to change your partner because we've over the years learned systems for communicating things. And the way that we fight now isn't fighting. If we have something that we want to discuss, we just sit down and we discuss it and we'll say the hard things and we'll express our feelings in whatever way feels right to us in the moment. And we really sit with each other and give each other time and space and the communication style changing in that way where we're more honest and open. And instead of being like, even if we, cause you're human, sometimes you do get snippy. Like you've had a really bad day and I have sensory problems sometimes. So if there's like noises happening or something, I get kind of jittery. So even if I were to like snip um, and be like short or crass or something, I'm always really mindful about the fact that I can say, I'm really sorry. I'm currently feeling X, Y, and Z. These were external factors that were overstimulating me. And I'm happy to discuss um, how I, like my actions impacted you. And then we can really have a talk about that. And that allows us to build these systems too, where um, like sometimes when I get overstimulated with things, I can't like verbalize things. It feels like the only way that something can come out is if it were a yell, because I'm like in pain because a fabric's touching me wrong. I know that's an if you don't experience it, you don't know what that's like, but when you do experience it, it's overwhelming. And so we have little systems, like I can tap three times and that will let my partner know, Hey, um, I need a minute. I need this blanket to stop touching me or something like that. And give me a minute and I'll be okay. Um, but you can grow with your partner, but you have to have open communication. I love that tap system when you're overwhelmed. I cannot tell you how much I resonate with the whole, you yell and then you're like, I'm so sorry. Like that wasn't even directed to you. <laughs> this, this, and this is causing me to feel really overwhelmed right now. But I like that tap system because then it like, it just like dissolves the need to even yell. Um, I know that like, I'm very fortunate that my partner and I we're very open when it's like, I actually just need to go and put myself in a timeout or I just need to go and have a bath or I need some alone time. Um, and it's really a wonderful place to be in. And we just kind of look at each other all the time and laugh and we're like, what open communication in a relationship? <gasps> Gasp, right? And it's just like, it's just stuff that like we haven't experienced before being in other relationships and also not just saying that they were unhealed, but we were unhealed when we were in those relationships. I know I was, and I wasn't expressing myself in a way that I could even say, look, I need a minute right now. I'm overstimulated. You didn't know, you didn't understand it. So that's not your fault. You can't be like hard on yourself for literally not knowing or understanding yourself oh, exactly. in order to like verbalize it. 
Exactly. It's just really funny to look back and see where we were to where we are now. And then we just kind of like, we're mind blown. We're like, wow, it really is called asleep for a reason. And also the codependency aspect of that too, because like, maybe you might not know what, what, like how to communicate or what your needs are or whatnot, but also there's the flip side of that, where being afraid of like, like maybe knowing exactly what they are and knowing how to express them, but being terrified about how your partner would respond to that too. And I think that in order to get here where we can have open communication in our relationships, and it sounds like we all have this. Um, but it sounds like we've also been through the experience of the opposite and dealing with that contrast and through that contrast, like being able to sort of place the order to the universe about what we actually want and then learning how to magnetize that. Yeah. And I almost think that it's, it's important to know an opposite energy. And I, I don't mean that you need to know like the opposite worst for you in order to have your best. But I think that lots of us have experienced what we would say is a really crappy time here in the, you know, child years of our lives, especially growing up in, um, I know for me, like the 90s and having all of those wonderful expectations and stuff like that. And it just, I love where we are headed. I just love looking at where we are headed. And that's really the only point that I'm trying to make. (laughs) I'm really excited for it. And you don't have to have those really hard, bad experiences to learn from experiences because one of the kind of thought exercises that I do a lot and I do it with my partner a lot is if I see a situation that I've not encountered before, if um, I see something that I've never seen before or I've never seen that perspective before or it's just like something happens with a friend and um, I'll look at my partner and I'll say okay if we were ever in that situation how would we handle it and what would we do so we have like plans for every weird situation that I've ever encountered (laughs) Um, and so we know like oh if you just fall in love with someone else um, here's x y and z steps that we're going to take um, and handle it with grace or um, if you happen to want to move into this situation that we've never been before. And these are my boundaries and my limits, but you don't, you, you learn that from not just your experiences, but the experiences of the people around you, but you have to be open to looking at them. Yeah, that's very true. And so many people too, like, she's very serious. You guys, Megan and I have had that conversation. Um, So many people like uh, the falling in love with someone else is a really good example. So many people, not only do they not have plans for that with their partner, it's something that would never be addressed, but it's sort of seen as this taboo thing where it's not even approachable and not safe to discuss in the relationship. So to even get to the point where you're with a partner, where you feel safe, seen, heard, and loved enough to be able to be open and honest about, you know, uh, potential future circumstances that can we just like acknowledge how much, like what, what type of a mature soul it takes to be able to have those conversations? Because what you're saying is, Hey, I love you. And I want to be with you. And I love you so much and want to be with you so much that I want to discuss what happens when we accidentally fall in love with somebody else, because that may happen. 
And in the case that that happens, I don't want that to be a barrier in our relationship if we're still going to be a good fit together, if we're still going to be in flow and in this co-creative energy. And that, like, it's just really beautiful that we're starting to exist in a world where those types of conversations can happen and they don't have to be threatening or triggering in the way that we're all used to. Yeah, that just kind of even opens up to the whole discussion of like um, polyamory and having multiple partners and stuff like that. And I mean, for me personally, I don't resonate with that. So I can't really speak on how it would be to be in a multiple partnered relationship. But I do know many people that do. And the way that they talk about it is just like, well, like, you know, my partner is so good for this, this, and this. Um, But I need this in my life in order to feel loved. And they don't, they are are not able to provide that because they don't want to make them something that they're not. And so they find somebody who's able to provide that for them and they're able to work together in a partnership that way. And I think that heading there as well is also really beautiful. And if you resonate with doing that and are able to do that with partners that may or may not um, be able to provide everything that you need in order to be authentically happy, I just like that we're starting to discuss more openness in a lot of different aspects of our lives in order for us to be authentically happy. I am obsessed with the polyamory community. Um, Not that I am myself in a polyamorous relationship, but I love how open and vulnerable and honest you have to be with yourself and your partners. And a big part of it is accepting the fact that one person cannot be responsible for every single need that you have. Yeah. Um, it's just unrealistic. And um, but the polyamorous community and the kink community both have these really rich foundations in things that I wish everyone had. Like for the kink community, it's all about um really owning up to your desires and consent is a huge thing and aftercare and caring for one another in like a, a deep, deeper level than just attraction. And um, with the polyamorous community, it's really all about um, being yourself authentically and then like being really honest and real and vulnerable and knowing that there are going to be difficult to navigate emotions that come up, but being able to work on them together in a really open way. Um, yes. But there are I love principles. everything that you're saying. Yeah. There are principles from a lot of different things that you can look at and really implement into your own life. And I can't help but think about human design right now, you guys, because you know how there's, um, and I'm a a super, super, super amateur when it comes to really understanding human design, but I know a little bit. And, um, And there's like the double split, triple split, and then single. And when you think about a human being and how multifaceted they can be or how consistent they can be in their own energy, it makes so much sense to me that some people are going to be drawn towards a polyamorous relationship so they can have all these different dynamics for all their different aspects. And others are going to just want one individual because they're more um, consistent in their energy, less multifaceted and wanting that one relationship, you know, like there's room for all of it. And we're all so different as people. That makes a lot of sense to me that for some one person just wouldn't, cut it. And also how frustrating it must be for individuals in that position to live in a world that sees monogamy as the end all be all, you know, 
like we're all, it just makes sense to me that the, <laughs> that depending on how your energy works and how your energy flows with another human being, that you would want relation a relationship or relationships that can fulfill that, you know? Yeah. And even if you're not polyamorous, you have to look at your own life and like you have a lot of different relationships that you're balancing in your life. You have different friends, you have different uh, family members, you have your partner, and you really need to look at like where your energy is flowing with all of your relationships and how honest you're being in all of those relationships and what needs their fulfilling and nurturing everything that's around you. Um, because again, one person can't be everything for you. <laughs> it's just unrealistic. I think that's why so many of us have so many different friends and then you flow and you talk to one friend yeah. for, you know, a couple of weeks and then you're like, okay, well, that's cool. I'm just going to talk to this other friend for a couple of weeks now. Cause I feel like chatting with them or, you know, it just flows flow. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so I want to circle back to what you do, Jess, because you had listed so many different things. And then you also said you had a spontaneous awakening in 2020. So I would like to know the trajectory of that. Like after that happened in January, then what sort of like, can you kind of tell us your story a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So, um, well, pre-awakening, childhood like I was raised in the Mormon religion and I left the church when I was about 19 um fell into drugs and alcohol as so many of us have unfortunately done so in the community um and it's not that you know using drugs and alcohol in a safe way is terrible but I was not using them in a safe manner and I was using them to cover up a lot of pain and I then had my spontaneous awakening in 2020 and I was like oh okay so I went through all of that for for this like I'm gonna I'm gonna heal and I'm gonna be able to turn around and kind of be that that lighthouse in the darkness shining my light and going you know like I went through I went through that and I'm here and I can do this and you know you bet your ass you can do it too and I was led to tarot which then dropped into shadow work because making friends with your shadow and sitting with your shadow and talking with your shadow and then loving your shadow and releasing the parts of your shadow that are safe and ready to go is how we heal ourselves in a way that we can grow into our authentic being. And as I started doing that, not only with myself, but with other people, I was doing exchanges with other people and so then I was receiving energy work as well as giving energy work. And it was this beautiful new way of giving and receiving. Um, it led to a download that when your hands are out to give, they are also out to receive. And that that is how we are going to open up multifaceted channels of abundance um, in order to receive from the universe. And so I really fell into that and I started to give and do a lot of readings on the community and then I started to get lots of people asking for readings um, and I started to do a lot of artwork and a lot of drawing and I was sharing on the AOD artwork page and that kind of transformed into people saying well I would really like you to do art for me and as I was doing art for them they would come back to me with you don't even know how perfect this is. Like, how did you know to put that in there? How did you know to put that in there? 
And I'm like, guys, I just drew the thing. <laughs> um, I don't really know. I kind of was given a, a starting point and then I let it flow out of me. And that then turned into a um, huge <laughs> intuitive portrait drawing thing where I started doing portraits for people where they started coming back to me with, I feel like this is what I authentically look like. And I'm like, wow, like that's really powerful. And I didn't really think too much on it until my last couple where I had started putting light language tattoos on people's bodies. And the last one that I did, this individual messaged me back with tattoos that are on their physical 3D body that were almost identical to the ones that I drew. And then I had added light language on top of that. So it really just has been this journey that has, I don't really, I don't really know how to put it into words. It's just kind of, I'm like, it's a you know, Magneto. Yeah, I'm like Magneto stepping off the platform and just knowing that something is going to be under my foot when I step out into the nothingness. And it has just evolved and grown with me, just as you said, Megan. Um, as an artist as well, and I've done um, two soul portraits, both for Lissa. Um, and I, I found myself struggling because I've I felt this urge to be like, okay, I need to make something. I need to make it right now. It just felt like this, this very sudden urge. I needed to take this feeling or emotion and capture it in that, that format. And with both times, the art part of my brain with years of, of training and everything has to be realistic and perfect, wanted it to look a certain way. And I had to like give in to flow and realize it's not going to look that way. It's not going to be like that. It ha You have to be open to it just expressing itself the way that it needs to be expressed. Do you ever find yourself struggling with that? So often. Um, it does get to a point where I do start to really like what I'm creating, but almost always I'm like, is this right? And every time it's like, just keep going. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but it does, it started to really like I almost really questioned when I had flip-flopped into almost alien-esque skin tone the purples blues um greens and stuff like that I'm like I don't know how people are going to take seeing themselves like that but I did it and the response was just I don't know incredible um and then it was like when I added the light language on top of that it felt it felt really right. And when I added the light language on top of the portraits, I wasn't doing it from a space of, I wanted it to look a certain way. I just was doing it from a space of, it felt like it needed to be there. And once it was there, it was like, oh, I should do this in all of my artwork because this looks freaking amazing. And it was just something that kind of became what it is it just is ever evolving and ever changing um i'm even really looking forward to seeing how how it changes again because i've just had yet another experience where my third eye was upgraded and activated even more and i'm starting to see 
the aura around my body. And so I wonder how that's going to translate, translate into my art. And I almost said transmute into my art. So I guess that's just going to make it in there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm wondering too, with this light language, if you're doing coding work and, um, and I don't really know how this works. I do have uh, friends that do coding, like light language coding. But um, it seems to me that if you're able to just through your own energy perceive a soul, so we're all we're we're in a human meat suit, right? But we're souls existing within that, and then we have our personality that acts as this really, to me at times, frustrating like overcoat to that soul. And it feels like as you're talking about the work that you do, Jess, that you're able to see and experience that individual's soul through their personality, not like literally through understanding their personality, but through as if you're seeing through it, like through that layer and into the actual soul. And then you're able to put that on paper. And then what I'm sort of seeing, I have no idea if there's truth to this, but it just feels true to me, is that these light language uh pieces that you're adding are almost codes that resonate with that soul. So the soul in that being, as they're looking at this picture, remembers who they are. They're like, oh, fuck. Like, yes. Uh Uh-huh. That's me. And I don't know how that works in the world of light language, but I do understand that like Reiki has symbols and light languages, symbols and all of that. But it feels like this little key component that you're adding where the soul cannot not recognize itself because maybe, maybe if you were to put purple skin on a portrait, on a soul portrait, the personality of the person might look at that and not like purple and go, uh, yeah. but then when you add in the light language, the soul kind of tells the personality to fuck off. And it's like, that's me, (laughs) you know, like transcending space time and this incarnation, it feels infinite. Like you're able to encapsulate, encapsulate that soul as an infinite being. And I think something about the light language grounds that in, I'm not sure, but that's what it feels like. You know, and all I can tell you is what it feels like when you're talking about it is that that is a hundred percent true because I just have everything I just sat with it while you were talking and I just found myself like almost rocking back and forth in that energy. And my body was just radiating straight out of my heart chakra. That just was a really wonderful moment. Aww. I'm happy that like, yeah, I've, I've seen your portraits and I know how powerful they are. And I um, personally, in the work that I do, when I'm hearing somebody speak in their own truth and their own soul self, it like rings different. It has a different tone. And when you started tar- talking about particularly putting the light language over top of the colors, I could see how we forget you, we forget that we're not flesh and bone. Like we forget that the, the elements that make us are not the soul self. And so the soul self is expressed as color and light. So being able to be an artist and like go right through to the core seems incredibly powerful. And I love how you said that too, about color and light, because color and light are frequencies. Oh shit. Yeah. Huh. And so when we're talking about adding light language and talking about resonating on a frequency with somebody's soul level, all of this is just mind blowing to me. (laughs) I'm even like getting layers stripped off of my own artwork and I'm just sitting here with my mind exploding. So this is wonderful. (laughs) 
Megan, what about you? In, um, so Megan's done soul portraits for me, as she said, and one of them in particular, you guys, so one was all light, like there was no body. And that felt very much like my soul, like how I exist as a frequency. But then she also did one that was the sort of evolution of my soul, if you will, over multiple incarnations. And it was really interesting because in that, there were these points of the whole image being covered in darkness, but it was with the intent of, well, it wasn't really intended. It was just all in flow, but it created this beautiful contrast. And it sort of loops back to what we were talking about earlier with relationships, how sometimes we have these uh, or experiences in life. Like I personally have had experiences in relationships that were very negative in nature, but it allowed me to now have what I have in the equal and opposite. And um, I don't know, it's just making me think about that one portrait that you did, Megan, that had all those different layers. And I'm wondering how you feel about that with like light and frequency in terms of like being able to translate that as an artist. Yeah. And that, that one specifically, um, I was really resistant to it because it, it, it wanted me to make a lot of scribbles and it kept wanting me to like cover everything up. But I realized at the end um, that it wasn't about the final product. It was the journey of it. And so I had like, it wasn't the piece, wasn't the final piece. The piece was the um, time-lapse of it being created. So the video of me creating this piece and it kept going back and forth between light and dark, light and dark. And it felt like it, it was the soul's journey of um, you integrate the shadow in order to shine the light, the brightest on the aspects of yourself that were like your core true self. And um, it was just a really beautiful experience um, and frustrating as an artist too, to be like, I made this really cool thing. Now let me cover it. <laughs> over and over oh again God. yeah and can I say to you you earlier Jess you said release the shadow and I was like the fuck you can do that like in my mind I thought like integrate accept love but then you said release and I was literally like what and I think Megan's drawing is a really great example of that because apparently how I how I deal with my shadow is I just jam that shit in there to the point where I'm like I love you and I accept you. <laughs> See, but then what Megan is talking about is even more deeply integrated with what you're saying right now because when you talk to your shadow and you sit with it and you love it for what it was and then you turn around to release it darkness is still a light frequency darkness is still the light and so when you turn around to release it you shine it out into the world to be like this is what i overcame and when people resonate with you on that level to see you shining your authenticity because you have not gotten rid of your shadow you didn't just integrate it you are now releasing it back out for others to see that and it's not about saying this is my shadow. I'm a bad person. It's like, no, like this is my shadow. And this is what I've learned from it. I've transmuted this and I've changed it to be something that is going to work for me and benefit me in order to get where I want to go in this lifetime. And in order to live authentically who I am. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you. I think there are different levels to the shadow too. There are things that you have to accept about yourself as core truths that we might look at as shadow. 
Um, and there are things that you can, you can release. And it's not that you have to hold on to and accept every single thing about yourself, but it's the journey of learning it about yourself is the important part about the shadow that you have to integrate. I know yes. there are so many things about myself that um, I used to think were just like fatal flaws. I was this terrible, horrible person um, because I had X, Y, and Z wrong with me. And I, I used to be really bad about negative speak to myself. And by accepting pieces of myself and elements of myself and building systems around my own um, eccentricities, we'll call them, um, I was able to turn the shadow into something that was like beautiful and uniquely me. Yes, I love that so much. And I love how you were really talking about how part of it does stay with you. And I love how that's all in flow too. And that like, when you're talking with your shadow, it doesn't, it's not just a firm, solid piece of something. And so part of it will flow away and part of it will integrate into you. And I always make sure that when I'm doing any shadow work, when I'm finished, I always say anything that is safe and ready to be released is, is to be released now. And so I always make sure that whatever is feeling safe and ready to go, because if it's not, then you're getting into that forceful energy. You're going back into the, well, get the work out of my body instead of making peace with it, instead of sitting with it, instead of transmuting it, because there are important aspects of it that we need to reintegrate into our body. And there are important aspects of it that are then learning opportunities for ourselves and for other people. I keep getting the mental imagery of the Grand Canyon. So you have the the water being the shadow and it runs through you and it can be all consuming. Um, but as you release it, you see the beautiful formations that it's made on your soul in this current incarnation. You see the way, like you can see the water flow through without the water moving there because of those um, indentations that it's made on the rocks around you, the soul of you. And it's so beautiful because it, the thing before would have probably been fine, but whenever you look at all of the, the delicate features that have been added by the water, it's this beautiful, rich piece of artwork that nature has created. And that's you, that's your soul. I love that you said that too, because I always talk about like flow as being like a river, that there are some parts that are like raging rapids and you're just in that inner tube and you're like, hey, I'm trying to flow, holding on for dear life. And then there's other parts where you're literally almost stagnant because the water is flowing so slowly and you just don't know until you're there. Like, you know, you just kind of have to like surrender, but it's like, I love the analogy so much because if you don't surrender and at any point in time you resist by putting your feet down, you feel that water all of a sudden just pushing against your back and it becomes uncomfortable instead of relaxing. Would you rather be in stagnant energy or rapid river energy to you <laughs> and everyone? I'm just curious. It's really interesting because I am starting to find the beautiful balance in both of them. Um, I have been able to live within flow blessedly for like the last few years and create when I want to create and then not create when I don't want to create. And I have found peaceful parts in both of them. I really love the artist in me loves to sit down and to be able to create and to be able to put out like nine pieces of art and 
two weeks because I'm in that manic create energy mode. But then I'm really starting to allow my inner child to play during the parts where I don't feel like I want to create because my inner child missed out on a really, really great life. (laughs) Um, And I had parts of a good life, but I had a really difficult childhood. And so right now I'm doing a lot of inner child work. And so when it feels stagnant and I feel like I'm not flowing creatively, I use that time to play. Oh, I absolutely get that. We had probably vastly different childhoods, but I also wasn't able to experience childhood in the way that I wanted. And so here I am 30 and I'm like, okay, let's, let's play with glitter and finger paint and (laughs) dance to the Ghostbusters theme song. Like I have like just completely lost my mind. Um, and it's beautiful. And I don't know why people don't want to play. And it's not immature or silly to play. Like you can take everyday things and turn them into a beautiful experience. Like which one are you going to look back on? Um, is it going to be the Friday night where you watched the movie and did the thing or the Friday night where you built a fort and watched the same movie and made finger foods and made it an experience? Like, Actually, why would you go ahead? I have an answer to that because I was that person. Um, it's because you feel stupid, dumb and judged by yourself. So like literally on the opposite end of that, because I'm someone who's just recently come into play through grid work. So the, the grid work that I do, um, I just found that like, as uh, my partner and I travel around, I started collecting. It was very strange. I didn't know what I was doing. I started collecting things and then I started just making stuff out of like what I found. And, um, and it felt like play and I could feel my inner child come out. And since then, and then like dancing in my living room and all of that, Uh, dancing. Okay. So when I first started dancing in my living room as a means of letting out energy and even doing light language, um, I would stop at times, literally feeling as though someone might be watching me. And then I just wouldn't feel comfortable continuing. So there's this, um, and I remember playing when I remember a very specific moment when I was a child and I was playing with toys or something. And I was like maybe seven or eight. And I looked at myself and I thought, this is what kids do. And this is stupid. And I, and, and, and that's like literally the moment I stopped playing. So I had a under, um, under my stairs, uh, there was like a little hidey hole thing for storage. And I had a little playroom in there. And that moment happened in that playroom. And I think that now being on both sides of that, it has to do with how we're programmed, like how we're actually programmed by our parents and what we value. So I was programmed to really value responsibility and routine and being an adult. So to me, in that adult phase of my life, what felt like fun was school and college and learning and working. And I've you know, like working throughout all of uh, high school and uh, it felt as though play and being silly in that way was literally stupid. Like, like the, the internal judgment was, oh my God, that's just ridiculous. Um, but it comes from the personality. So I really see it as layers. And I think that us, um, so y'all know I'm a channel, something about Jess being in the conversation today is allowing me to see things differently. And um, 
I'm seeing it as actual layers, meaning the personality like Melissa, Melissa, who exists in this body. And then Lissa, my soul self who exists within that body as an eternal soul. When they are not in alignment, you can experience um, sort of a hiding of the soul from the personality because the personality is afraid to see the soul self when there are inconsistencies because the programming doesn't match your authenticity. I think I said that in a way that makes sense. Yeah, I absolutely get that. I had the same thing. I grew up wanting to be an adult the entire time I was growing up. Like when I'm an adult, when I'm an adult, I found a job before I was legally able to have a job and then started as soon as I was legally able to have the job. Um, And I was promoted to management before I was legally allowed to be a manager. And I started on the day I turned 18 when I was legally allowed to be a manager. And I was so proud. And I like started this career working for the government. And I was so proud because that's what adults do. And I didn't come to terms with the fact that I was making myself so unhappy until I was 29. (laughs) And then it occurred to me that like, I'm taking life way too seriously and I'm making myself miserable and I'm not retaining any memories because it's all about being responsible and an adult. And I stopped creating. I stopped making music. I stopped doing art. I stopped painting. I stopped drawing. I stopped everything. And a big factor for me that um, kind of was a catalyst was I had my thyroid removed. And part of that surgery is they have to stretch your vocal cords. And um, I used to be a really good singer, Um, like opera program level good. And I was too ashamed to sing. I never wanted to sing. I was like embarrassed to sing in front of people. And I really took that for granted. And then when they stretched my vocal cords, I lost the ability to sing. I can sing now, but it's not, it it used to be really painful to sing because the vibration on my um, vocal cords where they were stretched and they were still like going back down. It didn't feel good. It was impossible. It sounded like like a bird honking. (laughs) um, and now I can kind of sing but I like lost that ability and I never took advantage of it I never did anything with it and anything that you have in your life that you value could just go away you know I'm I'm curious just because this is a trauma that both I don't want to just pass right by that Megan but the singing thing in particular I'm wondering if Jess also has any uh, trauma in regards to singing You know, it's actually really funny because I also was a singer and I, I used to sing all through church. Um, I started doing duets with my mom when I was five. Um, I then went into the choir program, the junior jazz teacher who at the school I went to, you have to be invited onto the junior jazz choir thing. Like he heard me over singing in his office and instantly was like, I need you on the thing. So then I dropped one of my courses to go into junior jazz. So I did a lot of singing, like a lot. And then I too, I was a smoker and a drinker and I did drugs and now I can't sing the way that I used to sing. And it was the same thing that uh, Megan's talking about. Like it really does it really impacted me. Like, I feel like I had kind of missed an opportunity with that. 
So th- this is why I asked, there was something, um, uh, so spirit was asking me to ask you that because, uh, again, so I, myself, this is a uh, way less intense than you guys, because it happened so early on. But when I was six years old, I, I sung like everything when I was a kid, that's all I did. I didn't really talk. I like sang <laughs> as I'm sure you guys did too. And, um, and in first grade, I wanted to sing in the talent show and my mom, was like adamant that I not do that because she didn't want me to embarrass myself. Meaning you're a first grader. You now are in school with first through fifth graders. And she didn't want kids to make fun of like a first grader singing at the talent show or something. But um, I interpreted that as my singing is embarrassing. And I literally stopped singing then. And when my dad and uh, stepmom put me in church choir, I fake, like I, I faked it. Like I never actually sung. I just lip lip synced. And, uh, And when you were talking, Megan, about your singing, I could see all three of our energies and this collective that we're in and how there's very, it's, it's, it's as if, you know, as a collective, we choose very specific sets of circumstances to evolve our energy and grow in particular ways. And all three of us have had some type of uh, throat chakra blockage implemented at a young age so that we could work through that and be able to express ourselves in a way that we wouldn't have had that blockage not been there to begin with. And isn't it so interesting that I was just just about to say that, isn't it interesting that all of us have a podcast? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What a trip, right? So at the time it feels like such a, um, and this is sort of what I do, like what my gift is or whatever you call it, an ability, I guess, um, is seeing how the soul, a soul contract work is really what it is. I, I, I'll call it what it is, but as someone who knows very little about soul contracts from learning anything and only understands it from just knowing it intuitively, I feel weird talking about it as though I know what it is, but, um, we do contract to experiences as souls, as a means it, it, to me, it feels like working out, like going to a gym. Like if you want to get your biceps to be uh, very defined and strong, you're going to be doing bicep curls. You're going to be doing maybe bench presses. There's certain exercises at the gym that are going to allow you to define that muscle. And I feel like here at this earth school, we as souls, oh, I'm getting really excited talking about this. this is my favorite thing. We, um, as souls have certain aspects of our soul that we would like to develop in earth school. And the way that we do that is through having contrasting experiences about those specific aspects. And I think that part of our soul group, um, the three of us being part of a larger collective in this group is about learning how to express authentic expression with our voice. I agree with that so much. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with that so much. And it just goes to show like um, I had a download um, again, like early in 2020. um, And it really was kind of like something that I had said before about like shining your light as a lighthouse in the darkness. And it's like right now, like the world had been put to sleep and like it was just covered in darkness. We were all just living our shadow lives. Like not in our authentic truth. We were manipulated into believing that our productivity was directly linked to our worth, um, which also did so much inner child damage because we stopped playing because this is not what, you know, adults do. And um, we are now 
taking that shadow from our from within ourselves we are sitting with it we are working with it we are then transmuting it and releasing it just as we said before throwing that light out into the darkness being our own individual lighthouses to shine our authentic light to other people who will then see that light source and not come over to you to follow you because you are the way but you will show them that the light is also within themselves so that they will then take their own shadow and integrate their own shadow and make friends with their own shadow and then release that back onto the world to shine their light out so that eventually we will all just be shining in our authentic beautiful brightness and i really truly just believe that that's how we raise the frequency of the planet is by holding that authentic higher vibration a huge thing that I am intentionally doing with everything that I do, and one of the reasons why I'm so comfortable doing a podcast or being perceived when I used to think it was the worst thing in the world, was specifically because if I had someone that showed me what it was like to be yourself authentically, if I had someone to show me how to have these conversations or that my feelings were valid or good, it would have made a huge difference in my life. And I just want to help one person with one thing and help them to be themselves a little bit more authentically. And I know that even if it's just one person, that person will show someone in their life and it will have a ripple effect to where even if it's something small, like it's, it's really okay if I need to wear gloves when I do the dishes because <laughs> I can't, can't touch them or if I want to play in bubbles or do whatever um, that that's okay. And there's one thing in the world that's a little bit better because of something that I inspired someone to do. Um, just a little confirmation from the universe here, you guys. So Jess, as you were talking about what you're seeing, um, I, my, my hands just immediately grabbed tarot cards and started pulling tarot cards. And, um, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It tells the story of exactly what you said, but, um, the nine of swords came out immediately and it was like, this is what she means by shadow. Um, so being stuck in that mental energy of guilt and overwhelm or shame, or just like being in that headspace. And then it was like, and once you do what Jess is talking about in regards to your shadow, then this happens. And then the moon card came out. And it was like, then you can actually process emotions. You understand the light and dark in all things, and you can feel your emotions authentically. And then it was like, okay, and now that you can feel your emotions authentically, then what? And it was six of pentacles, which in this specific uh, meaning was equal given, given receiving what you were talking about, like holding your palms out and being open to receiving is also, excuse me, being giving is like how you receive and receiving is how you give. And then it was like, and the culmination of all of this was the world card and they came out in that order and so it was almost as if uh what you're saying is so important that it needed to be like affirmed by tarot or something i don't know but it's like there's so much truth in that there's so much truth in that and it has really been uh sort of taken in a way because our parents were brought up in a world where responsibility and adulthood was something that was really valued. And I think that all three of us are working to, to help others understand that there's nothing honorable in that, that there's nothing honorable in, in working hard. And I can hear people cringe when I say that, but like, you're not a better person for being a hard worker. You're just not. And until we can really understand that, we're not going to get anywhere because we're not going to allow this energy that just freely flows through us to really 
have access to our body. I want to add a caveat to the hard work part because we're talking about hard work in the sense that you're like busting your ass to make someone else's dream come true so you can barely survive. But it is okay to put in hard work and dedication into something that actually like fills your soul up. Um, so for example, like if you really, really want to build a miniature house for some reason, it can be hard work to like get all the little intricate details down to the final thing, but it's work that you value. It's work that fills your soul up with things. It's not work that just kills the light that you have. And there's a differentiation there. So I just looked up um, the actual definition of work and um, it is activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or result. So what I mean by there's nothing, which Megan already said this, but what I mean by that is when you, when there is resistance to the work that you're doing, and usually it is because it's for somebody else, but when the work that you're doing, isn't what you want to be doing, Meaning like if you're building a tiny house and you're excited about that, you might not be super stoked about banging together some two by fours, but you want that house. Um, When you are working at a job that you fucking hate and you wake up in the morning and you think there's something honorable about forcing yourself to go to work because it gets you a paycheck. That's what we're talking about. It's okay to recognize that you don't have to have value for doing that. Like it's okay to let that go and create a new paradigm for yourself. But most people, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people listening to this are going to have like a trigger, like be triggered by that. But the reason you're triggered by that is because you've spent so many years doing that, that if you were to change that paradigm now, it's as if those years were wasted But please remember how all three of us are talking about how having those contrasting experiences is the very thing that allows you to, for the good to be really fucking good. I love that you had your cards out because I was also called to have my cards out. And I think it's hilarious that I was called to have my work your light cards out since we were talking about working and shining your light. <laughs> it only gets more perfect from there because the first card that came out was priestess. And it says, how are you being called to step up and lead? Uh, the second one was sisterhood of the rose, which is beauty and devotion, priestess, mystic, and teacher. A warrior woman came out. Have you answered your deepest calling? get grounded empaths highly sensitives connect with nature and then the bottom of the deck was share your voice come out of the cave persecution and expression holy fuck (laughs) yeah (laughs) so every week we have a tool for your toolbox and um while you guys were talking about that i decided to pull just one card um that about like what should we direct our energy toward for like what our tool for the toolbox is this week And I got um, surrender to the sweetness, Venus energy, pleasure, joy, make love, make love to life. And that just feels like everything. Surrender to the sweetness, enjoy the moments, enjoy yourself. That feels like the perfect, like the river raft, like, um, like if you're pushing against the current, you're not going to be able to flow with it. And like everything you want is downstream. I always think about Abraham Hicks. uh, When I say that it's like, quit fucking 
rowing your boat against the goddamn current and just recognize that everything you want is downstream, turn it around, let it flow. And that reminds me of surrender to the sweetness hugely because it's like, you just give in, you just give in and you stop trying to be anything that you're not. And you let go of the person that you thought you were, you allow that person to die, which is the energy Megan and I have been talking about for a while. And I think all of us died a pretty significant death in 2020. And I think all of us maybe thought that we were awake in ways that we weren't until 2020 hit. And then now in order to be all that we are, we have to surrender in that way because otherwise that energy cannot move through us. And the personality and the ego serves as that paddle going in the wrong direction. And, uh, we don't have to do that anymore, but um, it's also interesting to let go when you fought so hard running in the wrong direction for so long, you know, like there is, there is a desire to like almost want to sit in that pain because you worked for it and uh, we don't have to do that anymore. The imagery on the card, by the way, is a, a gentleman floating on a leaf in a river. Oh my God. That's perfect. <laughs> That's so perfect. So let's provide a little bit more definition to that tool for our toolbox. So surrender to the sweetness. How does that look for us? What's a tangible thing that we can ask people to do? I'm thinking um, surrender to the sweetness, a small tangible way that you could do that is take today when you're listening to this or tomorrow, if it's like late um, in the next 24 hours, I am challenging you to take a mundane task that you're doing and find a way to make it an enjoyable experience for yourself, whether that be listening to your favorite song while you do something you don't really enjoy or going for a walk to find a moment of serenity or putting down your fucking phone and <laughs> listening to yourself, whatever it is, just something that really like makes you happy. Do you guys have anything that you might think be good, would be good for it? Yes. <laughs> uh, I have a challenge for everybody to take one hour out of your very busy day life, recognize how many hours of work you have put in and take one hour in the next 24 hours to just play. Whether you build a fort, whether you paint with your fingers or with brushes or whatever, if there's snow outside, go build a fort outside. I just really encourage you guys to play for one hour. An hour would be amazing, but if you can only do 10 minutes, please don't feel bad. It's just being intentional oh, yeah. about that play. You also don't have to do the hour consecutively. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. And an hour throughout the day of play yeah. would actually probably be an even better day. If like once an hour, you're like, okay, I'm going to have five minutes of play or 10 minutes of play. And you just have fun your whole day. I love it. I'm trying to think of what I could implement and my amazing partner cleaned the house yesterday. And so I'm trying to think what else needs to be done that I could incorporate some type of intention, magic or play into. And um, why don't you build an altar that's dedicated to play? Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. You can definitely. play while building the altar and have fun and playful curiosity with it. And then it also could represent play and so every time you look at it over the next week or so however long it's up you remember like you look at it and you're like oh yeah I need to play for five minutes I love that and yeah and you guys if you um struggle with play building an altar to your inner child is so powerful that was one of the first things I did 
um, when I really got into shadow work, um, once I found out what that was and started really releasing some things, um, building, like having pictures of yourself as a child and some of your favorite things. Like, do you remember when we were in kindergarten, we would, uh, like put up like, this is my name was Missa in kindergarten. So it would be like, this is Missa's favorite things. This is what she likes to do. And I'd have like orcas and my favorite color was sparkly pink and purple. And, um, if you can connect back to the things that you loved when you were like five, um, it's interesting how much in alignment so much of that is with our soul self and how little our adult lives align with that soul self. So building an altar to your inner child, especially, um, can be super meaningful and powerful in connecting back to that frequency. Fun fact, I didn't go to kindergarten. I skipped it. I fucking heard you, Megan. God damn it. As soon as I said that, when I was like, if you remember in kindergarten, I heard someone going, well, no. <laughs> I assume that was some, that's so funny. Oh my yeah, God. I was in kindergarten for like two days and then they skipped me to first grade. Oh, Megan, I'm so jealous. They were going to do that for me as well, but then decided socially that they wouldn't. So I was bored throughout all my school years. Yeah, I was bored throughout most of mine and they wanted to skip me ahead another time and we decided not to. And they wanted me to go to a magnet school and that was a whole thing. Um, but with kindergarten, I'm, I'm actually kind of mad about it now as an adult. I don't know why I'm just going to go on this tangent real quick. So I, um, I was skipped ahead because it was too easy for me and I was finishing everything really quickly. And then I was bothering everybody else. And instead of seeing it as, um, hey, there's something going on with her um, uh, like with some sort of neurodivergency. No, no, no. She just smart. And let's just make the work harder, which it wasn't that much harder. They probably could have skipped me a couple of grades and it would have been fine. Um, but they never actually wanted to provide support. And that's why I want to homeschool if I ever have kids. Homeschool's where it's at all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way. And, or some type of non like, just alternative, you guys. Alternative like, options. Kids. I, I mean, I, I can't have kids, so it's kind of a mute point. But if I were to have a kid, I would homeschool. But I would make sure that it was like I had a community of other people who were homeschooling so we could like go to museums and do activities together so my kids can be socialized. It totally feels like that's the world we're working that like ultimately down the line, we will be living in a world where we exist in these pocket communities and there's no such thing as like a mother and father that take care of a child. It's like, no, the community takes care of the child and the child comes into the world having a unique soul expression and it's the parent's job to help cultivate that soul expression and it's the community's job to be a mirror of that reflection. And it all just feels very, 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 very different to the structures that we have now. Um, but I, I see that, I see that future reality and I'm just grateful to be here in the transition period working towards that. I feel someone being kind of upset about the fact that they're never going to get to see that reality, but know that the work that we're doing now is building a foundation for a beautiful future and a version of yourself, some piece of your soul will get to see it, even if it, it doesn't happen for a hundred years. I don't think it'll be a hundred years. Or maybe even you. Yeah, I see it being much more like 20 years, but um, or maybe even a version of you like I'm a firm believer to each their own. Right. We're all different. But I'm a firm believer that 
uh, incarnation cycles, th that time's not linear. So like when you decide to, if you are someone that believes in reincarnation and you would like to reincarnate after this lifetime, that you could go backward or forward in time, that you could reincarnate a hundred years from your last incarnation, or you could reincarnate a hundred years before. Um, so keep that in mind too. If you're someone that's bummed out, you're not going to get to experience anything because chances are you could experience everything. And there's also that book or book. No, there's that, uh, parable or poem, the egg, um, check that out. I like that one a lot. Is it the egg? I have no idea what you're talking I think about. it's the egg. I'll link it. I'll link it in the show notes. If, um, I'm going to level that up a bit. I honestly believe that every single person that is here, every soul that's currently here is the same soul. You're just having different experiences from different perspectives at different levels. Spoiler alert for the egg. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm not no, sure what that it's is. It's really fucking cool. It's a, well, I'll just tell you, I won't link it. I'll just tell you guys. And I, and I could be getting it wrong. Maybe it's not the egg, but the idea is, is that this man dies and he's speaking with God at the end of his death. It's very traditional. Right. And, um, and he says that he's going to go back and be reincarnated again. And he's like, what? And then he's like, yes. And, uh, and then he says, in fact, you will reincarnate as many times as necessary until you have lived all of the human experience. And he's like, what are you talking about? And, um, and God or source is like, yes, we'll see. It's important for you to have all of the perspectives so that you can become whole and actually be born. You're not really born yet. And you can't be born until you have all of the experience from all of the perspectives. And, um, and he starts listing all of the amazing people in history. And he's like, you mean I'm them? And he says, yes, you're them. And then he starts listing all of the horrible in history, people in history. And he says, you mean I'm them too? And he's like, yes, you're them too. And, and he says, and you will continue to be reborn until you have been every soul. And at that point, you will be ready to truly be born. And he said, well, what comes then? And God's like, well, we, you can't find that out yet. First, you have to have every human experience and then, and then you'll know. I hope I did a somewhat decent job explaining that. <laughs> I'm sure that you did. I'm, I'm not familiar with it, so I don't know for sure. <laughs> I really do like that perspective, though, because it really just kind of shows us that like, we can look at somebody, whether in this reality we like them or not, um, and just kind of be compassionate towards them no matter what, just knowing that a piece of them really is a piece of you. Um, I like what Megan was saying before about how we are like the same oversoul and then it goes into like soul families and stuff. And I really think that it's like layers um, that, you know, we had source consciousness and then source consciousness decided to see from another perspective. And so it split into two different perspectives and each of those two different perspectives then split and we're back to the whole idea of a cell being born and regenerated and all the rest of this stuff. And every single one of those perspectives is a different perspective branching off. And it somehow mirrors what cell group it came from, soul family. Um, and it really embodies where we all came from, which is source energy. But down here, we are just one of those cells having an experience. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like we are at a natural close. <laughs> Do you want to plug your stuff? Because I don't think I'm going to plug my stuff this episode. I want it to be all about you. 
Oh, well, thank you. Um, I can list a whole bunch of them. I have yet to incorporate everything down into one nice, simple um, username or anything. So on Instagram, my art account is jess.walker90. My tarot account on Instagram is jet.tarot. And then I have jesswalker25 on TikTok. You can also find me on my Facebook pages, Jet Tarot and Jet Artworks. And if you feel called to work with her, I really recommend it. Um, and then if you want to see the after show where you get to see our beautiful faces, um, you can join our Patreon. Woo woo. Yep, we're going to be doing that right now. And uh, I'm excited about it. Thank you very much Thank for you. sharing your journey and everything with Thank us. Thank you it was beautiful. so much for having me on here. I've had an absolute blast. <laughs> you right. are such a beautiful soul and it's been you so really wonderful are. talking to you. I just wanted to say that. Okay. Oh, I love you. you guys all so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.